Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. going down. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin and Finn. Since we last spoke, hell has indeed frozen over. Vince McMahon is back in some capacity, but um, how are you today? Yeah, yeah, I'm alright Kenny, yeah, not bad, not bad. So um, yeah, you were just edging perilously close to... uh, the deadline on the next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine. So this is always a very busy time for myself and for you as well, Kenny, and for others on the magazine. In fact, most everyone on the magazine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in fact, I've been writing all about um, Vince McMahon's return to the board of directors at WWE over the weekend and yesterday. So, um, yeah, it's something that's, um, <laughs> in all honesty, Kenny, I'm, I've spent so many hours on this story because there's a lot of strands to it. Yep. That, you know, it's to me, it just feels like it feels like I'm ready to move on from it, which we haven't <laughs> even talked about it yet on the po- on the podcast. Oh, that's that's you know, that you saying that reminds me of when I interviewed Vader one time and I asked him about his first match in WBF with Yokozuna and he tried to end the portion of his WBF chat with that question. <laughs> oh god that's us then we're done um 
<laughs> but um, we'll not listen. I mean, look, we're not, we'll, we'll, we'll not go into all your thoughts and the machinations of everything that's going on, you know, so that people can still check out the magazine. But I am going to get your, your kind of summary thoughts. Um, Vince McMahon returns to the board on January the 6th. What better day than the day infamous with the insurrection of the previous year? Um, yeah. So he's he's back. Basically, the, everybody who's listened to this knows the story by now. We are not breaking new ground. He was he tried to get back onto the board of directors in December. He was rejected unanimously, and now he has uh, basically forced himself back in as he is able to do as a majority shareholder. He is now back in. He's saying that he is there to facilitate a sale and media rights, all of which he said he will not agree to unless he's back. Um, people, some people are speculating. You know, if this is him back in this way. He's obviously going to try and get back to creative. So I guess my kind of two main summary questions, so we don't need to go on about it too long. What do you make of the news? And do you think that this is the beginning step of him basically being back to what he was before of running the whole ship? Um. Well, I mean, that depends on what happens next, doesn't it? So, I mean, I, I noticed that this is this is clickbait dynamite, isn't it? This story. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. people have just been going, been going crazy over it. And, you know, the clickbait is all based on speculation of what might happen. And you want to get people commenting. That's what it's all about. So and it's all about, you know, just peddling the misery, which is very much what mainstream um, media news sites are all about, is bad news stories. That's what it's all about. Bad news stories. I and mean, it's sort of, this has sort of coincided with the old release of... Uh, Harry's book, which is like just sent the world crazy as well, hasn't it? That's been uh, so in the mainstream world. The Harry, the release of the Harry book, which was today, I believe, is like the equivalent of this Vince come back to the board, which WWE officially announced on January 6th with a short statement on its website. We knew on January 5th that this was going to happen because Vince had filed the paperwork with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um proposing um, that um, I think it was three shareholders be removed. And then he and, yeah, the shareholders that he proposed to remove were Joe Ellen Lyons Dillon, Jeffrey R. Speed and Alan M. Wexler. And he proposed um, that they be replaced by himself, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, which is exactly what happened. Also, we should mention that Vince um, is now back as ex- well, not back. This is a new role. He's exec. He's executive chairman, which is a new role for him. Now, he had made this clear to the board of directors in a series of letters um, that were sent back and forth between Vince, the board of directors, in late December, um, that he was coming back. The board didn't want him to. They said, "No, we don't want you back because there's all these investigations going on." from you know the SEC and um you know until those have been concluded we don't think it is in the best interest of the company for you to return so that was their letter to Vince and Vince wrote back to him and said no i am coming back and if i'm not part of this process i'm not part of the board i'm not installed as executive chairman then i will not rubber stamp um, the upcoming negotiations for the media rights. So basically, he just said, 
if you don't bring me back, then you can't strike a deal for media rights. That's, you know, negotiations are going to be starting shortly. The current media rights for Raw and SmackDown, uh, which currently on uh, Raw's on USA Network and SmackDown's on Fox um, in the States. Those deals expire in autumn 2024. But WWE wants to close deals this summer for the extension. So it likes to get it wrapped up well in advance because that appeases shareholders and that makes it look like it's a company that's very much in demand, which WWE is. So there is all a sense of urgency here. This is all not imminent as in next week, but it's coming up. So Vince was in a position where he basically had to be reinstated. He had to be elected back to the board of directors. Otherwise, these very important negotiations that are about to begin in a few months' time or possibly sooner, but will be wrapped up this year, they couldn't be rubber stamped. So Vince basically communicated to the board um, who had the real power in the company. They didn't want him. They didn't want him to return because these investigations are ongoing, as I said. But Vince is like, no, I'm the majority shareholder. You know, I'm the one who really pulls the strings around here, and I'm returning. And he did, and that's that. So yeah, he's back on the board. Now he hasn't gone any further than that. Um, Vince stated in one of his letters um, that he was. Um, he was very happy, you know, with the, you know, he, he said that the uh, directors and the management team had his full support and confidence. Um, the other line, which WWE repeated in its January 6th press release to announce that Vince had been re-elected to the board. The other line that was that Vince put out there was WWE has an exceptional management team in place. And I do not intend for my return to have any impact on their roles, duties, or responsibilities. Now, he, he wrote that on an SEC document. So as things stand at the moment, that's the way it is. But he could also, Kenny, file another document with the SEC saying that things have changed, and now is the time for me to make my return as Lord and Master and Creative Director and Chief Decision Maker of all of WWE. So that could happen really as soon as these investigations have concluded, if indeed they don't find anything terminally damaging or uncover anything terminally damaging against Vince. So absolutely he could return, and absolutely he probably will return if, if he can, you know, if he's not effectively struck off by these, you know, investigations that are going on. But it's all up in the air, Kenny, which is great for people who want to fill podcasts with, you know, blurb like what I'm banging on about now, or websites with, you know, endless speculation about what might happen, because we, we don't know. We think we know, or we think we might know, but we don't really know how this is all going to end. I think it's. I think the one thing that is safe to say, and you you know this from covering Vince for years and years and years, he fully intends to be back. That is what this is about. That he want you know he can say he's here to facilitate a sale, but I mean, does he? You know, from all the stuff you've ever heard about the guy or ever read about him, he's not someone. I mean, he's he's got tons of money anyway. He's not in this for the money. He's no. in this because this is all that he's got. So. 
he's he's back, he's going to play the game, and then it'll be interesting because if, if, if a sale is going to happen, which seems to be the prevalent thought that that's going to happen, um, you know, if he was to sell to like, if they were to sell to like a network, right, like NBC, or, or yeah. is it CN- NBC Universal, that's the name, right? That's the, the company. Yeah, Com- Comcast, isn't Comcast. it? Comcast. Yeah, they own Peacock as well. Yeah. Well, which obviously WWE has the deal with. But if he was, if they were to sell to Comcast or Disney or Amazon or any of those places, um, Vince is going to want an, he's going to want an assurance. And I mean, I would be amazed if this doesn't happen. He's going to want some assurance when the sale happens that he can be in charge of the day to day running. The create, he's going to want to be CEO again. He's going to want all his old roles back. And if he goes, if they end up going with a sale to one of these companies, they can say, yeah, that's fine, you can do it. But then they can easily just pan him whenever they want. Well, well, exactly. And we talked about this back in 2021, if you remember. This was a big story then. Oh, WWE is going to be sold. I'm not quite sure who originated this story. But again, it just seemed to be invented for you know clickbait purposes and for people to run wild with speculation. And this was my point back in 2021 is that if Vince sold and was not a majority shareholder, then he could be replaced at any time. And if Vince wasn't the majority shareholder now, he wouldn't have been able to do what he's just done. Do, so you, this, th- do you think they're going to sell? Do you, or do you think that the sale... No, let's just let's just stop. Let's not go any further, Kenny. Let's just, stay with what, let's just stick with what I've just said. Now, if Vince sells and he's no longer got the power, and that's what it's all about. You just said he's not bothered about the money, and I don't think he is either. I think he loves the power. I think he loves being at the heart of things. I think he loves being in control. He always has. Um, This is far more important to to him than any amount of money. He's got more money now than he'll ever spend. So it's not about the money. Um, Although, you know... (laughs) It may be projected that way to the public. I mean, you know, obviously shareholders want good value and everything. And the stock price went up massively in fr- on Friday, didn't it? With all these rumors of a sale. Mm-hmm. And no doubt there's lots of people buying and selling. And lots of money, I'm sure, was made on Friday. Just as lots of money was made on our stock market. You know, we had all that chaos back under Liz Truss with all that insanity for about, what was it, about three or four days. I was reading something the other day. Fortunes were made, Kenny, then. Absolute fortunes were made. Because whenever there's chaos, you know, whenever there's uncertainty or whenever anything like this happens, this is where the money is made. But as far as, you know, Vince selling outright and handing control, the thing he desires and craves and covets more than anything, the idea of him handing control to someone else, that's inconceivable to me. So you think he's going to, you think if a sale happens, the sale would have to have some, I mean, I'm I'm not, a, I'm not really up on, on, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, could, is there a way for him to sell that protects him completely? Or is that something where he would need to go to somebody more like, you know, the Saudi Arabia, there's that Saudi Arabian companies also in the kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They own Newcastle United, don't they? Yeah. So like, yeah. is that more of a, is that more of a kind of, place or, or avenue he could explore that would give him more control therefore that would be more the avenue he would go down i don't know if he's if he's able to in a sale protect himself completely or if with a sale you kind of 
automatically have to give up control. Well, look at what happened with WCW. I mean, Ted Turner was there. He was making the decisions. And then they there was the big merger. And he had no power to save it. And apparently Ted wasn't too happy in the end that it was just canned because WCW was a company that had been, and, and you know, Georgia Championship Wrestling and wrestling on his network, you know, going back to the 70s, it had been like a huge thing for him. But Ted Turner no longer had the power by 2001. And that was why Jamie Kellner had the ability to just scrap it. Now, if Vince is no longer majority shareholder, he no longer has the power. It's that simple. So how could he protect himself? Okay, he could get a big fat contract and we'll make you president and, you know, we'll we'll let you run it. But I mean, if something happens and if there's more scandalous, you know, allegations that come out against McMahon, do you think one of these big companies would stand by him? I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? Not in 2023, 2024. So do you think think then that that the sale element of the conversation is more to kind of get him back in the door, get him, you know, because it was very smart for him to sort of have the sales pitch because obviously that's then going to make the stock go up automatically. Exactly. Because before the stock was going down with any mention of Vincent Mann coming back. But when the sales involved, so I'm curious how he then parlays the chat of the sale that is getting people excited to to eventually. Oh well, we're not going to sell right now. If that's, I mean, so do you think ultimately he will block a sale because of the reasons you've mentioned? I think so. Yeah, and the thing is, you got to remember is that if you're buying and selling WWE shares, if the share price is going up, then traders or your know, people in that world will say buy because the sales going up buy and then sell buy at, you know midday and sell at four you know because you'll make a killing you'll make a load of money i mean the people who buy shares they're not fans they're not people who are you know watching raw and smackdown each week they're looking for a way of making money a quick book i mean that's what it's all about isn't it mm-hmm. you know shares and stuff it's usually not a lot well it can be a long-term investment but a lot of time it's a quick get in and get out investment so i mean i don't know i mean we've t- we talked about this a lot in 2021 kenny i wrote about it in the magazine a lot um you know and i remember saying that maybe i'm maybe i'm misreading this you know maybe <laughs> Maybe I don't know what I'm on about. Maybe he really will sell. But if he does, as I've just said, he won't have the power. He wouldn't have been able to do what he's just done. So And then I do I do wonder if he, you know, so if he has just kind of floated the sale thing out there to get back in the door and sort of, you know, get well, I don't know whether he's even done that. What he said was he was talking about selling the media rights. No, the he did because he, he, in the Wall Street Journal article, it did mention the 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 sources had said he was coming back to facilitate a potential sale. Yeah, well, that's a potential sale, and that's sources. I mean, in one in the December twentieth letter to the board, Vince wrote, "Given the given the rapidly evolving media landscape in which more and more companies are seeking to own the own the intellectual property offered on their streaming platforms, I firmly believe that the best thing to do for all of WWE shareholders." and other stakeholders is to undertake a comprehensive review of strategic alternatives. I mean, how many buzzwords were there in there? I mean, what (laughs) does that really mean? 
Oh yeah, he's he's saying things that don't really mean anything. But my cute my, my curiosity is if he comes back and he doesn't and and say say somebody comes in with a great offer to sell the comp to buy the company right and a I big offer comes over in. six billion dollars at the moment. Yeah, so say so say Comcast come in and say we'll give you you know that's crazy number seven billion. Say that say we're gonna give you seven billion dollars. If he then turns that down because he is the person who as he said this thing is the majority shareholder how does he then get by if all the shareholders are then going to be you know kind of thinking what are you doing we've just we've all worked together to get this company to where it is and we've invested our money so that this can happen and we can you know uh, make all this money through our sales so i wonder how he then he is gonna have to answer to the shareholders at that point yeah, well, probably what would happen is that they'd sell up, Vince would buy the shares, and then the company would go up in value again, and then he'd sell them at a higher price. So I don't know whether he oh, would. Oh, God. It's so I, I, you know, I'm just speculating. But that's the way it works, isn't it? Is yeah. that you buy low and you sell high. So I don't know whether he would do that or he wouldn't do that. I, I couldn't tell you whether he could, whether he would or he wouldn't. I'm just but Based on what we both said on this on this podcast, he's not in this for the money. I don't think he is. He's in this because he is, and I mean, it's you know, it's like in the last six months, it, it's felt like such a weight is off because he's not been around, you know, to sort of, in terms of the creative process and stuff, it's just felt, you know, like a nice time, and it does just kind of feel like he's on his way back, you know, it just doesn't feel like there's going to be a way where he isn't now. Maybe he has found some zen fin when he's away, and maybe he does have. Complete management in the uh, complete faith in the management team, but <laughs> well, he's but he's got to say that, hasn't he? Yeah, he is. But then, if you're Triple H and Stephanie, you know, yeah. is is there a point where eventually Stephanie's going to go? Do you know what? I'm not continuously going through this. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I would say if he comes back, I would because I mean, if you remember, she basically stepped down earlier in uh, last year, didn't she? Mm-hmm. She just went home. She had so in, the, in the last twelve months. She was. So she was, there was a poor, there was like something about poor performance in the company. And then sources within WWE basically had like, you know, a, a, an article slating her go out in the press. Yeah, that's right. For a poor performance. Then she was basically, she wasn't fired, but she was, she said she's taken time away, which, you know, code is you either announce it or we will. Then she, she's asked to come back and be the co CEO when Vince. You know, it has his hand caught in the cookie jar a few million times, um, and then now six months after that, he's on his way back after they've all said, including Stephanie and Triple H, we don't want you back. because <laughs> it was a unanimous vote from the board of directors that he should not come back, and Paul Levesque and Stephanie are on that board. Can you imagine Christmas Day? <laughs> Yeah, because this was they were this was all going on before Christmas. Yeah, First yeah. letter that was December twentieth, so it's like they were all aware of his intent. They probably I'm sure they knew about his intentions long before December twentieth. Oh yeah, um, they would have known about it. Because I mean, you got to remember there was that story, wasn't it, in the Wall Street Journal? Um, who was what was she called? Rebecca Balaus. She tweeted December thirteenth that Vince had told people that he intends to make a comeback at WWE, saying he got bad advice from people close to him to step down 
and that he now believes the allegations and investigations would have blown over had he stayed. That was December 13th that that went out there. Yeah. I and mean, we should we should also mention that um <clears throat> you know cuz in the I think in in the Wall Street Journal article it said that certain board members cuz the board are aware of more stuff than we're aware of. Yeah, that's so, right. And that was in uh, the December 27th letter to Vince McMahon the response. Yeah, they yeah. mentioned that there that's all out there in the public domain. They said so, uh, oh sorry. It's not out there in the public domain. What's now in the public domain is the knowledge that WWE has information that hasn't yet gone public. Now, if you're the person, and I don't know, I don't, I, you know, we have no idea who it is that's got this information or whose camp they're in, etc. But if, if these people, I mean, I wonder if they're going to hold on to this information right up until the point where it like the sale is happening, like, you know, and then lets the sale happen and then leaks it. So that you know the company, whoever buys it, if it has is if it's so bad, they have to just go. Well, we're not keeping this guy as a figurehead president anymore. Um, yeah, you know we're getting rid of him. So it's going to be an interesting. It took six days, Finn, in twenty twenty three for things to go wild. So <laughs> there you go. Um, exactly. But I mean, to me, if I was Vince, and there's just all this stuff out there, right? And apparently, there's stuff that we still don't know about that could be leaked at any time, go public at any time. So is Vince going to put himself in a position where he's entirely at the mercy of a, you know, media conglomerate? He knows how that works. Mm -hmm. He knows they're as ruthless as anyone in wrestling history, if not more so. And that if someone is a problem and someone is, you know, dragging down their share price or their reputation or deterring advertisers or a PR disaster area, then that person will be sent packing immediately. So if Vince doesn't have the power, and when I mean power, I mean as in majority shareholder power, what's he got? He's got a contract that could be terminated at any time. So... Yeah, I mean, I've written a lot about this in this in this next issue. I think we covered it pretty well today, Kenny. So yeah, I'm certainly I'm at, it's you know all this stuff's you know buzzing around in my brain, and um, I thought, oh, this is quite an easy story to write, and it's actually quite mm-hmm. a difficult story to write because there's lots to consider, there's lots we don't know, and there's and also you know there's lots we cannot know because we can't know what's going to happen next. No. We can't know that. So, but obviously, we'll be here covering it when we do know. Yeah, we will. I do just want to say I have not had a chance yet to watch the Will Osprey and Kenny Omega match, but I'm going to have it watched for Thursday's Power Slam recording, so that at least I can say I've watched it. Um, but I did just want to get out there. I know I said I was going to, so I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll have watched it by then. I need to be in the right mind frame, so I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm going to have a couple of vodkas, so I'm in a nice mood. And give it the best chance. But yeah. I heard Jim Cornette praising parts of the match yesterday, which I was really? flabbergasted to hear. Okay. I mean, he then buried them immediately afterwards. He would say nice about them, but you know, for for moments he would he would say nice things. Yeah, I've seen I've seen parts of the match. I haven't seen it all. I've seen parts of it, so that's all I've seen. And well, uh, we'll, we'll have a chat about it on Thursday. But um, anyway, let's move on to. Uh, Smackdown from this past week in Memphis we opened the show with the bloodline and um, you know basically Roman Reigns is sort of talking about how you know 
he's not lost. He didn't lose last week. Um, you know, it was Sammy that lost, and then he, you know, basically is uh, not very happy at the way that Sammy has been behaving recently. He's not not very happy at the loss, not very happy at... Um, I mean, he accused him of trying to take over the bloodline. Yeah, because on Raw, obviously, Sammy was kind of leading the charge with everything. I mean, he accused him of a hostile takeover, insidiously planning a comeback. You know, could this then, could this have some sort of real-life parallels? <laughs> well, do you know, the, the, just what I remember, so last night, Sandra and I recorded a new Retro Raw podcast, and okay. it was January 6th, 2003 edition of Raw. And at the end of the show, it cuts backstage to Eric Bischoff and he gets a phone call from Vince McMahon's secretary to say Vince McMahon is coming back. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't make it up. January the 6th, 20 years ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Roman Reigns gets in uh, Sami Zayn's face. He's, you know, shouting, you know, do you want to be me? Do you want to be the tribal chief? And Sami's just kind of, you know, shitting himself because he doesn't know what to do. And then Kevin Owens' music hits and he comes out and says, you know, you've got some misdirected anger because it's a KO problem you've got, not a Sammy problem. And uh, he told him he's going to leave for now, but he'll see him at the Royal Rumble when uh, for the undisputed uh, WWE Championship. Roman accepts. And uh, and then he t- uh, Owens, as he leaves, says, I'll see you at the Royal Rumble. And Sammy, I'll see you whenever you dig your balls out of Roman's pocket. Oh, what a great opening segment this was! Well, it was the slight variation of the balls in the purse line. <laughs> we haven't heard that one for a while, Kenny. I know that's one of your favorites. That line never gets old, right? I do, I do enjoy a good balls in the purse reference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that they didn't use that in connection with the Miz and Maurice. I know, missed opportunity, Finn. I missed mean, opportunity. You know, they could have, you know, mentioned how, you know, they'd fit in very easily, or they could have had Maurice there with a tiny little purse. I mean, that would have been what a hilarious gag that would have been. They just blew it. WWE, if you need me, you know where to find me. You know, yeah. I've got all this information, all this, I'm ready to go. There you so, go. Anyway, he, yeah. He'll, he'll, not, he'll not be moving to America, so he'll need to work remotely, but, you know, <laughs> as long as you're okay with him being on Zoom in Lancashire, he's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah it was, I mean, I enjoyed the segment. I, I really like the fact that, you know, Roman Reigns was angry about the loss because at first it didn't seem like he was, but then he just turned and, and was raging at Sammy. You know, really angry. You know, it's like, I don't lose. You know, what happened? <clears throat> you know, the rest of the bloodline were just like trying to keep a low profile, like not getting involved, not jumping to Sammy's rescue. This was just between Reigns and, and Sammy. So it should have been. Um, and you know, at times it seemed almost like Roman was talking in riddles, but I think the the idea of that was to communicate the message that he was so angry that he wasn't really making sense. And this all was connected to what happened later in the show, which we'll get to, I'm sure, very shortly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the opening segment. I thought it was really well done. It was kind of casual how Kevin Owens, he casually sort of challenged Roman and Roman very casually accepted um, I think the smart this the the thing that was smart about it was that because like you say Roman Reigns is reacting to loss, which is always the best thing in wrestling when someone's reacting to it. Um, it. And then he was because he was kind of what he was annoyed about was like you know Roman Reigns doesn't lose, and people think that Roman Reigns has lost here. And then Kevin Owens kind of at the perfect time challenges him, almost the unspoken rule of well you know 
if you don't lose, then you've got no problem facing me. And if Roman didn't accept at that point, he kind of looked like a wuss. So Kevin Owens' timing was very good as a character here to come out and ask for this match. Yeah, and he, and he sort of saved Sammy as well, didn't he, from a worse mm-hmm. fate? He did. Yeah, really great opening segment. Really, really good stuff. And uh, we then had, um, not go through everything on the show, but we also had um, Scarlett in her first. Is this her first TV match? We had a, a mixed tag yes. with Madcap yeah. Moss and Emma against Carrying Cross and Star- Scarlett. Yeah, first TV match for WWE. I mean, she done. I think she she's certainly done dark matches. I think she's done house shows as well. So um, wasn't a first match for WWE, but first TV match. Um, I I thought she looked. I thought she looked really good. I mean, everything she did looked really tight, and she didn't try to do too much. I thought everything had sort of a natural flow to it. I mean, a lot of people in wrestling, you know, and it's often the women, not always, but often the women, the matches just don't, they kind of look rehearsed, kind of like, you know, they worked everything out, but it doesn't flow naturally. And I felt like Scala, everything she did looked like it really connected, which is something I always like. I mean, there's nothing worse than watching wrestling when it's obviously stuff's missing and it just looks you know, feeble. So I thought, I thought she looked really good. I mean, I still have no faith at all in Carrion Cross. <laughs> and, uh, I hate his uh, cross jacket sleeper finish uh, and the cross cross hammer forearm. It's such and, a jobber finish. Oh, it's so bad, isn't it? He just needs a new exciting finish. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Steve Austin with the million dollar dream, isn't it? I mean, that's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, not not good, not good. Um, I mean, the thing is, at least she wasn't in there with Shotzi because Shotzi would have ruined all those compliments that you gave her <laughs> by making her do, you know, topes and stuff to try and pop yeah, the crowd and inevitably would fail. All these complicated moves that have a high probability of failure. Yeah, that's what Shotzi does, isn't she? We should mention that after the match, uh, the uh, carrying cross of Scarlet won, and afterwards, Cross puts a Rey Mysterio mask on Madcap and a Rey Mysterio tarot card in his hand. Um, I mean, I hope Rey Mysterio just plows through carrying cross because there should be no reason for Rey Mysterio to be putting over this guy. No, no, it's... I mean, this is Cross's first match on TV in ages. I mean, he he, he barely ever wrestles. And had Scarlett not been here, I mean, I think there's a good chance he wouldn't have been on the show. You know, I think she was... I, I thought she did well. I mean, I'm not quite sure where all this is going to go. Um, and Madcap Moss as well, he was doing pretty well at one point, and now he's not doing very well at all. And Emma's just, you know, she's come back and all she's done is lose. So I'm not quite sure what she does next either. Um, what well, elsewhere on the show, we did have Charlotte Flair coming out. She's cutting a promo. She's very happy to be back. She calls, calls Ronda Rousey half dead. So that she beat a half dead Ronda Rousey, which I thought was great. Um, and <laughs> uh, the crowd lapped it up as well because they obviously completely agree. Um, so... she was like a she was like a baby face thanking the fans and being nice. I mean, the world's gone mad. Charlotte Flair's a baby face. Well, I mean, the thing is, along alongside uh, 
alongside Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair is like a modern day Nelson Mandela. You know, I mean, <laughs> Ronda Rousey's so like. I mean, Char- uh, Sonya Deville comes out to <clears throat> cut, you know, one of the most generic promos of the the year so far, and uh, you would get Charlotte versus Sonya. It was, I mean, it was decent, Charlotte. Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte's very good. Sonya's not very good. So Charlotte has to kind of work with the clunkiness of Sonya. Um, but yeah, they got about nine minutes. Charlotte got the win. Not much to say. No, there's not much to say about that. We should mention earlier in the show that Sami Zayn was refused entry to the Bloodline locker room. And Zayn looked really worried. Mm-hmm. Um, LA Knight also uh, knocked Memphis. Knight is going to be massive when he turns babyface. He's getting all the catchphrases over, isn't it? All the modern lines. And the fans just can't wait to join in on them. You know, he's going to be huge when he turns, when he turns face. Hopefully he survives the uh, Bray Wyatt feud. <laughs> Hopefully there's something left of him after the uh, pitch black match, Kenny. <laughs> Yeah, oh. Michael Cole said last week, uh, last week's SmackDown had been the most watched SmackDown in over two years. Oh, yeah, I did, yo, thanks for bringing that up. I did want to make that correction because when we spoke last Tuesday, I think it was last, yeah, last Tuesday, the, the, the final numbers had not come out yet for the December 30th SmackDown. Um, but the final number was actually higher than the prediction and it ended up being 2.641 million. Oof. which is the highest rating in over two years for SmackDown. So a monster number. And it just shows you that Big Panto John... He's still got it. He's still got it, Kenny. Uh, well, he's not got the back of that head, unfortunately, but he's, he's got the <laughs> drawing power. <laughs> um, elsewhere on uh, SmackDown, Ricochet qualified for the Royal Rumble by beating Top Dollar... And then after Hit Row were beating him up, Braun Strowman came out to make the save. Um, so we also does, had this a, class, does this class as uh, Hit Row's official heel turn? I think it does, yeah. Because we've kind of seen the tease of it with Top Doll and Ricochet, but then I think the, the, the loss here to Ricochet has, has turned them. So, but I mean, unless unless they're going to... You know, it's, it's so funny. Over, I mean, Hit Row and SmackDown are a bit of a dud. And then yeah. Square Strickland and AEW's with these two white tattooed guys and just looks rubbish you know can we not just make a trade like just let swerve and hit row be together somewhere yeah have them be together they don't work apart no um they they just they just do they just don't i mean like they need each other you're right be like me and you kenny we'd be lost without each other friend there'd be no need to podcast anymore um but the the, the um, it all led to the main event of SmackDown: the Usos against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. The Banger Bros is the name <laughs> that they went with, um, which is very funny. Um, and this match was superb. We had shenanigan run-ins from uh, Solo Sokoa, the, the the rest of the Brawl and Brutes, and in the end, the Usos were able to get the fluke win. Um, Jimmy pinned Sheamus as Jay. Betrest his pinfall from the outside, which he's done before. Mm-hmm. It's, but I mean, it's, it's. I thought the, the main event was was great. It was so yeah. good to see the Usos in there with a team who it looked like you could feasibly see winning the titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really big near falls. Fans were were biting on them all. I mean, um, just felt like a you know huge match. 
And it takes a lot as well, because, I mean, everyone, I think, has worked out where it's all going with Jimmy and Jay versus Kevin Sammy. Um, so, I mean, I think it takes a lot to really convince people that a team not named Sammy and Kevin, who haven't even formed a team yet, have a chance of defeating them for the tag team belts. So I thought this was this was a real achievement by by all all involved. Yeah, it was it was really well done. And um, you know, I think you know it's all leading to the Drew Heel turn, which I think is going to be huge for him. It's obviously needed for him, and it, I think it's needed for SmackDown as well. So I think he's somebody who who can have a great run as as a heel top guy, as a challenger to to the to the top belt or belts if the belts are still unified after WrestleMania. So yeah, really good ending to the show. I should also mention as well that Sami Zayn, prior to the main event, um, had been summoned by Roman Reigns to Bloodline Locker Room. To so watch um, the main event together. That's it. And Zayn said, you know, he wasn't trying to take over the pod- the Bloodline and apologise for giving that impression. And then Reigns said, I don't accept your apology. <laughs> and Sammy's like, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen next? And then Reigns actually, you know, threw us, threw us for a loop there. And he said, I'm the one who should be apologising for losing my temper earlier on the programme and for speaking to you in that way in front of the world. And, you know, just let him know that he was out of order. And it's all that sort of head games, mind games that they're playing just to throw Sammy off balance. And then Sammy was going to accompany Jimmy and Jay to ringside for the defense against Sheamus and Drew. And Roman said, no, stay here and watch it with myself and the wise man. And uh, we went back to them later and they were eating popcorn, although probably not that much of it. Because well, we should be, we, we should mention where after the match, when we cut backstage, Sammy was spilling his popcorn everywhere. So he was celebrating the Usos winning and Roman Reigns seemed like he was, Sammy was getting on his nerves a little bit. Yeah. So the the the, the teases are starting that uh, all is not well in the bloodline. So exactly, um, and so they should. And we know deep down there's trouble. Trouble is a brewing. There may be trouble ahead. Um, there's also trouble on Monday nights because Raw was a slog. It was so dull this show. So we don't really have a we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but um. I mean, we opened the show with Kevin Owens. He's interrupted by JBL. It leads to Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbin. I mean, Kevin Owens did say that, you know, we're all getting put into a coma, which it felt like a coma <laughs> when JBL and Corbin came out. So we had Owens versus Corbin, where Owens gets the win. The, Us- the Usos and Solo turn up afterwards and uh, try to beat up Owens, and Owens is trying to, you know, trying to hold them back and... Uh, Drove I mean, him off with a chair. Yeah, which was, I mean, that part of it was good. But I mean, Baron Corbin and JBL, it's just not, it's not a raw act. It's a main event on Hulu act. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, remember when when JBL came out and endorsed Baron Corbin and compared him to Hogan and Luthers and Bruno? <laughs> How's that working out, JBL? Not very well. Um, and because we also later on the show we had uh, good old Dolph Ziggler, which is oh great. hey hey hold on a second Kenny hold on a minute there was a a faint a, a clink a, a, a faint ray of hope here oh not this if you bring up Mustafa Ali 
Is this because he might he might be turning heel because he's Listen, I'm not I'm not gonna say anymore because that will then necessitate me eating more of that humble pie if I'm wrong. <laughs> All I'm saying is there's your tiny little ray, you know, a tiny little ray of hope then. You know, if this progresses, I'll talk more about it then. If it doesn't, then it means that I won't have to do any more humble pie consumption. That's uh that's, that's probably for the best. It's Ziggler face solo Sokoa. But again, it's just people like Ziggler and Corbin, they just are not interesting performers at this point. Yeah, I mean, what was the point, really, of putting Dolph in the ring? And they really, I mean, it's just no one believes in him anymore. No one can believe in him anymore. And he was there almost as in a glorified jobber role. And Solo won, of course, because Solo doesn't lose to anyone on TV. He doesn't lose to anyone at all, you know. So, yeah, it did sort of seem a bit pointless, really. Um you know, unless, you know, because anyway, let's not get into the Mustafa Ali and Dolph Ziggler thing. <laughs> you know, we'll come back to that if it progresses and it has, you know, an if, 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 if. If, 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 if. Yeah. Um, but to me, the star of Monday Night Raw was Dominic Mysterio. I mean, he comes out, because the thing is, prisons changed them, Finn. <laughs> that time in the slammer, he's a changed man. That's it. He was telling all these stories, wasn't he? Of all these beatings he had to lay down to exert his authority. <laughs> and he got their own Miz TV and Miz is going, wait a minute, you were only in prison for 90 minutes. Yeah, that's it. Just down at the um, police station in the cell there, probably on your own. It was, it was, pretty, it, it was so it was my favorite fun. line. My favorite line that Dom had on the show was when he said, Now I know how Martha Stewart felt. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Martha, Martha Stewart. It's a blast from the past, isn't it? For those who do not understand that reference, she was famously uh, put in jail for tax avoidance in the mid two thousands, I think it was, and she served like a couple of years. Right? It was like she did a proper sentence. She was like, um, like a Delia Smith type, wasn't she? She was like yes. a, like a, you know, TV cook or TV. Yeah, she was. You know, domestic goddess type, I think. And then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, yeah, it all went very badly wrong for it. But uh, I love that Dominic uh, was referencing his his hardships of that 90 minutes. Do you know that Dominic Mysterio managed to get abused and, you know, his life changed in prison in half the time that it takes for us to watch Raw? <laughs> we, we watch Raw and it takes two Dominic Mysterio prison sentences. I mean, I loved his Conan shirt. He was wearing Conan's old, sh- old shirt from the 1990s. He did look like he was out for Halloween as Conan, which was tremendous. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, that was just tremendous. And he's just, he's just like, you know, playing it up. He's not, he's not under any illusion that this is, you know, nuts. And he's just going for it. And he was a real uh, bright point in the show for me. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun as well. He's sending himself up, which is what he needs to do. And um, and that all really played into the final match of the um, of the tag team turmoil, <laughs> the interminable tag team turmoil match oh. that sucked up like the last hour of the programme. Um, but Dominic was basically saved the day, didn't he, at the end of it, Kenny? Mm-hmm. Um, the Judgment Day got the win in the end, they uh, with with help from with uh, because Dominic ended up 
winning for the team. So Dominic and Damian Priest won the match over the Street Profits, Alpha Academy, Cedric and Shelton Benjamin and the OC. Um, the, this match, if you include commercial breaks, lasted 48 minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, there were very few highlights. I mean, it started off with Finn Balor and Damian Priest, who beat Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Gallows and Anderson are not over. Probably never will be. No. Uh, Balor, and Priest, uh, Balor and Priest then beat Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin and Alexander are not over either. <laughs> they then faced Alpha Academy. Um, Balor and Priest won. But Balor was squashed by Otis. Otis did like this beta splash. So then Balor was selling the ribs. I can't continue. And, you know, injured. And Adam Pierce came out and said, well, you either forfeit the match or Dominic Mysterio replaces you, Finn Balor, for this final match of the tag team turmoil against the Street Profits. So Dominic reluctantly went along with it, which was quite funny. <laughs> after uh, he got on about how hard he was earlier in the program. Hasn't he suffered enough then? Well, I mean, Corey Graves was pretty funny with his commentary going talking about Dominic being a hardened ex-con and coming out, you know, at one point he said that he said that Dominic was like James Dean with street cred. I mean, That's... is street cred still still a phrase? That was a phrase when I was a youngster. Is that still a phrase that's in use? I think it is. I mean, I I've never used it, but I think you know if you're if you're there's certain scenarios where that would still be. I don't know. If, it's not a very British thing, though, is it? Like street cred is more like an American term that's been brought over here a bit. Well, right? yeah, probably. We probably are probably all people in my neighbourhood probably heard it on a seventies TV show because there's lots of American TV shows on in the seven uh, in the nineteen seventies, just as there are today. Um, but that was quite funny and. I mean, fans cheered the Alphas against Bala and Priest, so that was pretty funny. And Otis did the Caterpillar. Um, so then the final uh, stage of the match was Street Profits versus Priest and Dominic Mysterio. That was pretty flat as well until um, fans finally woke up uh, when Dawkins did this flying back elbow to Dominic. That kind of lifted the crowd. Ford made his big, comp, uh, his big hot tag and he, he hit some flashy moves. Um, but Dominic ended up pinning Ford with his feet on the middle rope. So, yeah, it was Dom and Priest who won. And then they were confronted by Jimmy and Jay in the aisle after the match. So this is all going to lead to a title match. Now, one thing I did notice, and you probably noticed this as well, Kenny, was yeah. that they said on the screen that this win entitled Dominic and Priest, as as since they won, or, or Dominic and Finn Balor, whoever the Judgment Day puts up, to a Raw tag team title match. Not a shot at the Raw and SmackDown, as in the Unified Belts, specifically said a shot at the Raw tag team belts. I thought that was a bit odd. Yeah, it was odd. I feel like that's got to be like an error. Because if, if that was going to be the case, you would think in storyline that would be put over. That would be put yeah. across that for some reason you're allowed to defend one round the other. I feel like it's... What I felt when I was watching it is that the person who's doing the production was just made an error and just went, oh, raw tag team titles. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Kevin Dunn will probably have an award with them today. But um, yeah, I because there, there was no mention of it on commentary unless I misheard about it being just the raw tag team titles. 
I think the problem was, Kenny, is that you, for much of the match, you were probably in the same state that Kevin Owens was when Baron Corbin and JBL were speaking. That is true. That is true. Yeah, I was in a bit of a coma. Uh, The only other highlight of Raw for me, apart from Dom, was I thought the interaction between Lashley and MVP was pretty interesting, where uh, MVP reveals that he was the one that got Lashley um, reinstated. Reinstated. Yeah, reinstated. Um, I guess, because I was going to ask you about this, because in in wrestling, uh, WWE specifically, very rarely do you break up an act and then sort of put them back together again a year or two later and have even the same level of success as you did the first time. Um, Mm. Obviously, they broke up the heart business before for no real reason. Now they're trying to put them back together. What do you rate as the heart business this time around's chances um, of kind of, you know, because MVP didn't have Omas here. He was on his own. Yeah, saying you know, because Lashley said he's not interested in the heart business again, but MVP said, "Well, if you change your mind, you know where I am." Same number. Um, what do you make of their chances if they do decide to put them back together? Um, well, I, I was thinking about this, and it is a bit odd because it did seem like Lashley turned heel, certainly in the feud with Brock Lesnar, and I think there was some heelish tendencies on display in his matches with Theory and Seth Rollins. But he was very, and then of course he was suspended, wasn't he, for you know losing his temper and going mm-hmm. crazy in December, um, and now you know he's, he was he returned here in Jan 9th Raw as a babyface. There was no ambiguity, ambiguity. Say that, Kenny, because I used that word a few weeks back and pronounced it incorrectly. Ambiguity and drove, is a great word. Rao drove me. Mad Kenny, as you can imagine. <laughs> so my, this is what I would like to see from her business. I'm sorry, Cedric. I'm sorry, Shelton. But you're not over. You're never going to be over. And if you're part of this act, this act will not work. So what we need is we need Lashley, MVP. I've got no objection to Omas being there in a henchman role or as a bodyguard or whatever. He can be part of it. But I think we need two new members. And if we have two new members then I think the Hurt Business could be back in business. Now, I'm guessing that the, if they're going to have two new members, you would not advocate Omas to be one of those two. No, he can be there, but in the background and maybe an occasional appearance. But as we saw, I mean, he's not very good. I mean, he, he could be part of a tag team, but he, he's not somebody that you want to put in the ring in singles matches. No. Because no one really gets over against him, you know, unless they're beating him. And Omos is not somebody who should be doing a lot of jobs. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. <clears throat> I mean, in the past, when they've tried to get teams back together, you know, they, when they put the Wyatts back together, when they put different people back together, it does the Shield even, it never really seems to work as well the second time around. But um, maybe this is the one that will buck the trend. And uh, I'm just going to say it here. Carmelo Hayes, perfect spot for him. Yeah, would be. I mean, he's gone about as far as he's going to go in NXT, and he's certainly ready for the big time. Um, not sure who else. And you, you know, you could always do a thing where MVP brings in Carmelo, and then you know Bobby Lashley's kind of, you know, obviously a very slow build. Then you could have Bobby Lashley kind of getting jealous of this kind of younger, flashier guy. In the group, so yeah, there's there's definitely ways you could go if they went down that route. So, but I, I'm with you. I think if it's going to work, there needs to be something new to it. 
that um, yes. would make yes. it work. Uh, well, listen, that is all the time we've got for today. We hope that you've enjoyed us trying to dissect the Vincent Mann scenario, go over SmackDown and stay awake for Raw. Um, <laughs> the three things we were trying to do. Um, Can I just say that I'm pretty exhausted? I'm pretty exhausted <laughs> from just, you know, it's been a tough run just covering stuff this month. This Vin stuff has been a tough story to cover. I'm pretty deep, exhausted from my analysis of the Vince story earlier. <laughs> oh, God. Well, oh, listen, yeah, we I hope know, you've I enjoyed know. it. You absolutely need to go to insidethenotesmagazine.com if you can and uh, pre-order the new issue with uh, Sami Zayn in the cover, The Rise and Rise of Sami Zayn, which has analysis in there of the Vince McMahon saga from F. Martin. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, you know, just quickly, it is quite an emotional thing. This whole stuff with Vince, and I, you know, I, I really do feel for people like, you know, Stephanie, and you know, she's at times a tough person to sympathise with, and Paul Levesque, and you know, Nick Can, and like everyone in the company right now. And the word is, a lot of people are dreading. Vince's return I think they've realized that there's a very good chance this will happen later in the year and it is really quite it's quite you know to use the line from lock stock and two smoking barrels it's been emotional you know and it is <laughs> it, it is kind of this is you know I was talking earlier about clickbait but you know this is a big story and there's we've all got a lot of emotion wrapped up in WWE and we're all sort of feeling like, right, Vince is gone. And it feels like it's getting somewhere, even though Raw this week was rather dull, as you said. And the idea of Vince returning, I think will be, I mean, it'd be a bit of a gut punch, I think, Kenny, if he does come back. I think it's going to be a tough, I think it's yeah. going to be a tough one if he does return. I really don't want to see him back. I mean, I think, you know, Vince is, I mean, he's not, I mean, from what we have heard and from what has been accused, he does not seem to. Well, I mean, he seems to be on a similar level of Harvey Weinstein of 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 what he has done or has been accused of doing. And you know, the thing is, usually with this stuff, there's no smoke without fire, and with so many stories and in paying off so many people, there's something to what's going on. So the fact that he gets to waltz back in is is quite sickening, in a way. And then, but then, you know, our job as part of podcasting and kind of covering wrestling is as much as we process that type of stuff, we also have to try and analyze it from a kind of objective point of view, because otherwise you just drive yourself mad. Yeah. If you just, if you just think about the, uh, you know, that, that type of stuff. And it's like, you know, obviously the Hulk Hogan, the Hulk Hogan racism thing comes to mind a little bit for me because as soon as that happened, it was kind of like the Hulk Hogan order was gone completely. And it's never been the same as normal ever. You know, it's, it, it was gone because of what he yeah. did. Yeah, and, absolutely. And because he never, there was never really that full and frank apology from him, was there? Ever. No. And, they, and you know, with Vince, you could even argue that it was worse because all this stuff came out and rather than him in any way seem like he was reflective about what he'd done or acknowledged that anything he had done had been problematic he came out on Raw to rub it in people's faces that you know like, like he rubbed it in that he can get away with it kind of thing you know so it's just yeah it is kind of sickening that he's that he's going to be back but um, you know hopefully there will be some 
some smarter person than Vince McMahon that will have the last laugh on him. And we will gleefully cover that last laugh that somebody gets on him. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things where there's some people who just, the Vince stuff is too much for them. And I understand that. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. Absolutely, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm not really going to weigh in on, I've written about that in the magazine and, um, you know, we'll see where it all goes. But if you, if Vince's return, you know, puts you off from watching WWE for life, I absolutely understand. I can understand yeah. that totally. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, some people can compartmentalize some stuff, some people can't, and I, I get it either way, however people feel. But um, we'll be back on Thursday. I'm sure there'll be more news and stuff going on. So, uh, and also as of Thursday, I will never again, well, hopefully I will never again in my lifetime have to watch seven consecutive matches of the Elite and the Death Triangle ever again. <laughs> and that is something to be thankful for. Do you think the hammer will come into play in this final match, Kenny? If there's a way they could come over here and whack me in the back of the head with a hammer and just, you know, make me lose all memory of their their matches, that would be great. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be, it's, it's, I'm sure it's going to be chaotic and there's going to be lots going on. So yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, um, there's other there's, there looks to be other good stuff on Wednesday's show with you know. Hangman Page getting his big match with John Moxley and other stuff. So it's not all doom and gloom. But um, anyway, yeah, Patreon's also the best way you can directly support us to keep doing these podcasts. Patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. So do hope you give us a shot over there, check out our content. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be here to continue doing it for you. So, uh, Finn, I'll look forward to chatting to you in a couple of days. Yes, yes, yes. Thursday, I'll be. I'll have finished my uh, from the top. Well, I'm just about to start checking my from the top. I'm just looking at it right now on screen and I'll be doing <laughs> what's going down. It's the last thing I do in the magazine and I'll be all finished by Thursday. So, yes, I shall look forward to it, Kenny. There you go. Well, listen, thank you for all your support, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.